0: Welcome to Legacy Women's Podcast, where we seek to encourage women in their relationship with God and one another through monthly conversations with the women of Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. Hello, everybody. For the podcast this month, I wanted to share our testimonies from the fall legacy meetings. Just like the spring, we met every other week at the church in small groups to discuss biblical material on a variety of topics. And also, each evening, a lady shared about how God has worked in her heart in the area that we were studying. For those who missed a meeting or were unable to attend, I wanted to make those talks available. First, you're going to hear from Janice Pierce. She'll share her salvation testimony and also how she's pursued enjoying God over the years. Next, Honey Smith will share about prayer. Then Megan Mason shares how God has grown her as a life giver and a helper. And fourthly, Lauren Simmons shares how God has been growing her in the area of kindness. And finally, there's a panel with four ladies on the topic of hospitality. And I heard from so many women about how helpful that was in envisioning them for hospitality and also taking some of the pressure off as they talked about practicals. We do plan to start our spring round of legacy groups on Tuesday, February 22nd. We will We'll have those meetings every other Tuesday at 7 p.m. at the church, and it will follow the format that we've done before. So if you're interested in participating in those, be sure to go to the um, cckchurch.com website and you can sign up there. Thanks for listening, everybody, and I hope you're encouraged.
1: I grew up in a home where I always knew there was a God. I was taken to church regularly and raised with moral biblical principles. But I remember as I got older, maybe sixth or seventh grade, sitting in church and looking at the stained glass window behind the pulpit. It had a cross and a picture of Jesus right in the middle of it. And I can remember thinking, I think think there's more to all of this than I'm getting. I know now that that was the Holy Spirit drawing me. So when I was about 13, I went with a group from school to a youth evangelistic crusade was led by a man named Sammy Hall. He was a former drug addict with a very dramatic testimony. But what grabbed my heart that night was his explanation of being lost, separated from God. The Lord, who was already drawing me, opened my eyes to the more than this that I'm getting, and I received Christ as my Savior and publicly confessed Him as my Lord. To segue from that moment to the ongoing more than I'm getting of enjoying and walking with this God who, through His Son, had saved me from eternal separation from Him and condemnation, I'd like to share two or three ways that this happens in my life. But first, I'd like to share a quote from my Quiet Time reading last week by A. W. Tozer as a kind of a jumping-off place. He said, Faith is the gaze of a soul upon a saving God. It is not a once-done act, but a continuous gaze of the heart at the triune God. My gaze at that stained-glass picture of Jesus was really just the first glimpse of the Almighty God who, Creator of all, had chosen me to be His daughter. My continuous gaze or enjoyment in God comes predominantly through the time spent in His Word, either alone or corporately. Also, through times of fellowship with Him in prayer, and through obeying Him in acts of service. When I first began being discipled in my faith, I was challenged to memorize Scripture. The first verse I ever memorized appropriately was, Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. Psalm one nineteen eleven. As you can tell, that was the King James Version. Well, that stuck. The Lord had just put it in me to love His Word to hunger for it. I've just always thought, sought Bible study, privately and corporately, and never feel more alive than when the Lord reveals something new about Himself while reading His Word. I love the word preached, especially here at Cornerstone, and then the opportunity to discuss it in our community group. The Lord conveys to me who He is and His desires. He fixes my gaze on Him through His Word. And it seems that as my time with the Lord through his word grows, that my need to pray to him, talk with him, and really listen to him grows as well. When you gaze at someone, you just naturally want to converse with them. Now, don't get me wrong. At first, Bible study and prayer, a quiet time specifically, took discipline, planning, especially when my kids were little. And now from time to time, I have to fight being legalistic and ask God to draw my gaze back to Him and not to the means. But the enjoyment of Him and fellowship with Him through His word and prayer generally prevails until both have become vital to my health, body, soul, mind, and spirit. Finally, enjoying Him through obeying Him in acts of service. For some reason, this one seems the hardest for me to explain. Prayerfully, He will enable me to communicate this well. Some of my most exciting, enjoyable, and just plain fun times with the Lord are in the middle of or right after he's asked me to do something or serve him in some way that's legitimately way over my head. I mean, something I feel I have no aptitude for and pretty much scares me to even think about doing it. But it's these times that I completely and utterly go to him and ask him to do it. The verse, the verse in 1 Thessalonians 5 comes to mind, verse 24 he who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. When I do this, his spirit takes over and his will is accomplished through me. And I just get to enjoy the otherness of that moment. The otherness of the spirit's work and realizing I've had the privilege of being a part of God's big picture. The more than I'm getting plans. I think this is quote this quote from CJ's message two Sundays ago by Scott Hubbard is a more than fitting summary of what I've tried to share with you. He said, if prayer is merely an activity to do, then pray without ceasing will sound oppressive. But if prayer is communion with God, communion with this Father, Son, and Spirit, then we will hear the command differently. Enjoy God without ceasing. Depend on God without ceasing. Gain strength from God without ceasing. And find that He is ever near, always faithful.
2: as a freshman at UT I attended a Bible study in Hess Hall. Through hearing God's word and the prayers of the Bible study leader and her husband I became a Christian. The woman who led the Bible study welcomed me into her life, modeled Christian womanhood, and very deliberately discipled me. I specifically remember her teaching me how to read the Bible and to pray. During my early years in VFC we would have early morning prayer meetings. Michelle McKinley, Christy Cormany, Suzanne McNeil, and Ann Rill could probably remember this. We would keep a prayer notebook with the date, the prayer request, and a space for how it was answered. I wonder where that notebook is now. I would really love to see that. But that was, you know, 30 years ago. Um, there were many, and at times, dramatic answers to prayer. This undoubtedly built our faith. But even more encouraging were the times of personal prayer. Matthew 6.6 says, But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. God demonstrated that he heard my prayers and answered them, and the fellowship with him was the true reward. A favorite book on prayer called A Praying Life by Paul E. Miller describes it this way. When Jesus describes the intimacy he wants with us, He talks about joining us for dinner. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. Some seasons prayer went like this, oh Lord, please help me. Some days I prayed when I didn't feel like it, which required an honest to God approach to prayer. Some prayers, though, felt like tangible faith when I would pray while or after reading the word of God, and in prayer agree with God about what I knew was his expressed will. Praying the Bible by Donald Whitney gives some practical instruction about how our prayers can be informed by the Bible. Praying God's words that are true yields faith-filled prayer, and the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much." Reading the Word of God prayerfully led to prayers that I would have never dreamed of praying on my own, apart from the Holy Spirit. I've also been encouraged by the consistent example of my husband's prayer life and have also been helped by women like Marianne Jacoby, Linda Remshaw, Elizabeth Hill, and others. So I hope that you'll be encouraged that in any season that you find yourself in, the Lord is faithful. He's standing ready to aid you, to help you confront your cynicism, carry your burdens, and to empower prayer, to invite, guide, hear, and answer your prayers.
3: Like Bethany said, my name is Megan Mason. I've had the privilege of being wife to John for almost 13 years and a mom to five adorable crazy kids, including twins who keep me very humble and constantly on my toes. It's a joy to have this opportunity to share with you tonight about how I've experienced the goodness of God by embracing his design for me as a woman, specifically in my roles as life giver and as helper two categories that we see in the Genesis story of God's creation of Eve. Knowing that I have five children, you might say I've fulfilled this life-giving aspect of my calling pretty well. (laughs) Through carrying and birthing these kids, God has more clearly impressed on me his beautiful, intentional design in the way he created our bodies to carry, bring forth, and care for new life. It's astounding and definitely not coincidental. It screams of purpose. God has also helped me to see, though, that if he's gifted us as women to carry life, it follows that we were gifted to nurture it as well. Embracing God's design in this area has led to a deeper love for motherhood and a willingness by his grace to sacrifice whatever is needed to faithfully love, delight in, and nurture my little people. But being gifted with the task of life-giver involves so much more than just the ability to bring children into the world. The role of life-giver includes caring spiritually and emotionally for others, regardless of age. It includes the hospitality of our homes and of our hearts. A commitment to life-giving includes a willingness to engage, connect, and communicate with the goal of fueling deep relationships and belonging that ultimately point to our belonging in Christ spiritual mothering, as Susan Hunt phrases it. I've been encouraged in my soul as I've put aside time and effort to be obedient in this area, and I've also been extremely blessed as I've found myself on the receiving end of this care. So many women in this room have nurtured spiritual life in me through your examples, your advice, and your encouragement, and through the pursuit of intentional relationship with me both currently and as I've grown up. Not only though have I benefited, my children have as well. One current example of this is the way that ladies like Bailey Rimshaw, Julia Clayton, Nyla Douglas, Jessica Rack, Maddie Manili, and Ashley Rack have intentionally pursued my children. They have engaged them, made them feel noticed and loved, and encouraged my older girls' pursuit of God by their examples. I came across a letter last week that Bailey had written to my recently ten, or written recently to my 10-year-old Lydia. In it, she takes the time to ask, What has made you fearful or sad lately? What has made you happy? What are you learning about God, and how is your Bible reading going? Maybe we can read through some of the Bible together soon. This exemplifies how all these ladies I mentioned have nurtured my kids in one way or another, and is just a small example of the spiritual mothering that we're called to as women. Another aspect of God's design, one that took me a bit longer to fully embrace, is that of helper to my husband. In my early marriage, I quickly realized that what had seemed easy and natural when I observed it in my parents' relationship and in the relationship of so many other couples wasn't so easy in practice. I found myself grumbling at the different spheres of responsibility that God had assigned me and my husband, particularly in the leader-helper roles. I grew bitter, and I found myself questioning whether God's design really was good in this area. Praise the Lord, he placed women in my life, as well as our pastors, who pointed me back to God's word. God met me, and what began as a reluctant admission that God had indeed designed my husband and me for differing roles within marriage, turned into a sweet embracing of this gift. I began to see how our callings reflected his image, and I was motivated to accurately pursue his design with joy as I realized that ultimately his glory was at stake. The Lord has been faithful to use his word to soften my heart, bring clarity, and give me a heart that ultimately trusts him enough to follow my husband. Instead of telling John how he should lead or clearly voicing displeasure when I perceived a lack of leadership or complaining about and judging the leadership he did show, the Lord began showing me how I could use the gifts he had given me to help John and to encourage him with wise counsel. Much joy and peace have followed. Our relationship has deepened as I'm learning how to humbly offer input and ask probing questions while also learning what specifically helps him as he strives to lead us. In turn, I've seen his confidence in his God-given role as leader, as well as his desire to lead, both strengthened by my expressions of trust in him. I'm humbled and I'm honored as I think about all the women in this room who, by your example and your care for me, have made biblical womanhood attractive. My love for and willingness to embrace God's design for me specifically as a woman has been directly motivated by your example. As far back as middle school, I have such clear memories of Michelle McKinley, Ann Rayle, Vanessa Williams, Sherry Kittrell pursuing me and including me in their conversations about Bible reading, growing as a Christian, and how they were applying God's word to their specific spheres of life, often asking me about my own enjoyment in pursuit of God. This has been such an example to me of the gift that spiritual mothering can be. My mom, Linda Rimshaw, Janet Holbrook, Sherry Kitchell, Karen Rack, and Elizabeth Hill have been instrumental in helping me embrace and understand God's purpose for me as a mother and they continue to support me, give me wisdom, and encourage me to press on with steadfast faith in God when mothering is difficult. They have shown me the joy to be had in following God by contentedly giving the best of me to the nurturing of my children and by prioritizing the building up of my home as a life-giving haven. Again, my mom, as well as Paulette Clow, Trina Lewis, Melissa Hodgson, and Bethany Shipp, have especially shown me what it looks like to love, help, and follow my husband in boldness, kindness, and humility, with a confidence rooted not in my husband's ability, but in God. I am so thankful for God's beautiful design for the peace and joy that it brings, and I'm thankful that we have the privilege of walking it out together.
4: I'm Simmons, I'm married to Jake Simmons. I have four children, Asher is um, nine, Vivian's seven, Madeline's five, and Dane is three. So that's kind of setting me up to talk about this tonight. Um, At the first of the year, I was seeking to study and grow more in my understanding of the fruits of the Spirit, specifically kindness. Um, This came from a place of feeling completely weak in this area. I was noticing it was easier for me to show kindness to those outside of my home, but I struggled to show that same kindness to my children. The constant feelings of being angry, sharp, annoyed, impatient with my kids was just really discouraging. I think I started this study with the wrong focus. Um, I was focusing on how I needed to change myself to do better and showing kindness. And I was leaning on my own efforts, and not relying on the Lord. But the Lord graciously red- redirected my focus, and he began to renew my mind with his word, and he was making me more aware of his great kindness. And it came through studying scripture, praying, and the Jerry Bridges' topic on um, kindness. Uh, God just started doing a work in my heart, meditating on scriptures like Luke 6:35. But love your enemies, and do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. I'm shaking, I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, But those are unbelievable words. He's kind to the evil and the ungrateful person, and that was me. Um, And the Lord was just showing me that His kindness is where I must begin. He was calling me to live in His kindness, to steep myself in His kindness and then turn around and reflect that amazing love to those around me. Um, It's just humbling to ponder that truth and to just truly set yourself and dwell on God and his great love for sinners. And then it's even more amazing that he wants to use us to reflect that part of his character to those around us and to the world. Um, The Lord was just tenderly helping me take this truth and live it out among my children. I can preach the truth to them all day long, Um, but God was wanting me to show it to them through acts of kindness. And as I began to try to do this, I realized that I didn't really even know what it looked like. Um, I think before I had this big idea of be nice, Uh, but what does that mean? And I was calling my kids to be nice to each other, but I didn't even know how to do it myself or much less to them. So I made this little rinky-dink poster and I placed it on the wall and I looked at it daily to remind myself and the kids of what comes from our flesh and our sin, and those are the things that bring death and are the things that come from the Spirit of God that brings life. And I did this more for my own heart than theirs. Um, It was just this daily visual guide of seeing two columns, one side filled with the temptations to be impatient and short with my words and harsh and easily annoyed, and then the other side filled with all the opposite of those things, ways to be tender, gentle, thoughtful, caring, Um, And as I looked at it, it just helped me remember, this is how God comes to me, tenderly, gently, lovingly. Um, And then I just began to ask God, help me live this out. Uh, I needed his wisdom. I needed his guidance on everything. Um, I started asking him questions like this. How can I ease their load today, God? How can I help them today, God? How can I bless them? What would delight my children today, God? God. How can I give pleasant words to my kids today, God? How can I be tender to them and their weaknesses today, God? Um, And some days this was harder than others. I didn't want to pray. I didn't want to do that. But um, there's not a lot of thank you, Mom, for helping me, coming from a toddler, having a hard day, or kids who are fighting and bickering all day long. Um, But as Bridges said in the article, we do all things ultimately unto the Lord. Um, We show kindness, not expecting anything in return, and we do it unto the Lord. Um, We give and love as the Lord has given to us, and we give freely, and we give generously. And this has really transformed my daily life. Um, I love how the chapter says that acts of kindness come in the ordinary paths of our day, the mundane, day-in, day-out paths that seem ordinary. For me, this was with my children. For you, it might be your coworkers, your siblings, your husband, your parents, your roommates, or your schoolmates. Whatever the situation you're in, I believe these really are the extraordinary moments that God has a plan for. If we just begin to slow down and ask the Lord to show us where and how to love others, I think he will surprise us in wonderful ways in which we can show his kindness. And let me be very clear, ladies. Although the Lord's helped me, I just battle my sin in this area a lot. And the Lord is slowly refining me and changing me. Um... But what Bethany was saying just a minute ago, what I find myself returning to and needing to remember is not my lack of kindness, but God's perfect, never-failing kindness that he has shown me. And it's so easy to be distracted and focused on our failings and where we're not being kind, but what we need to remember is that Christ's righteousness, it's what clothes us. His perfect kindness and goodness is what God sees when he looks at each of us.
0: So I just had these ladies up to ask a few questions, just kind of practical um, hospitality questions and I'm going to introduce them by asking a question. So um, this is Emily Paul and Emily and I actually got to know each other through her hospitality. Um, Our husbands work together at Y-12 and they have a bromance and (laughs) true? yes. And so they weren't going to the church at the time, and Kevin always talked about Brian, and then he was like, hey, the Pauls want to have us over for lunch, and it was during a work day, so it was, we would drive up there, the guys would come home for their lunch break, and we'd have lunch together, and I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. I've never had any coworker invite me over to get to know us, so you did that twice um and and then I think the thornberries came for one of them um, because they work together as well and um and then since you've come to the church I've just got to see you show hospitality I mean it's just it's it characterizes your life and you just do it all the time and and I thought I don't know where this started so like what how did you how did that become a thing for you and what keeps it being a thing Okay. okay um you I'll have to hold it up. It mainly now. is my husband, but I can <laughs> tell you where it originated. We
5: married young, and we were in the military. So we spent six years um, kind of by ourselves, and we were younger than all of, like, the couples, so all of our friends were single military people who had no family and no home-cooked meals. So they would come over <laughs> all the time <laughs> to, to eat um, in my little tiny german stove that couldn't fit anything in it so Uh that's kind of how it started and we so six years was kind of bouncing around with the military and um everywhere was just single people and them coming over um several times a week um and then we moved a few more times and then our church became our family because we weren't near family so we are both very um uh social we love people um that's just who we are and like bethany said brian would have people Everybody over every night. <laughs> I, I rein it in just a little bit, but he that's just who he is. And because we don't have our family gatherings on a regular basis, we fill that with other people. Um, and so we've always enjoyed it. We love getting to know people. We love hearing their stories. We, if you come to our house, we will ask you lots of questions <laughs> because we like to know. So that's, that's how great. we started. You can pass it to okay. Maddie.
0: Okay, so this is Maddie Manili. So Maddie... Um, came through vfc and was an intern for a number of years and um, so i wanted to ask you how you think about hospitality as a single woman um, especially we have high school students college students singles what does it look like to show hospitality maybe when you don't have your own home or you have roommates um, when you're doing it solo
6: um, yeah i have a thousand thoughts on this so i'll try to pick like five <laughs> um but i think one of the biggest things for me as like hospitality as a single woman is like loving and embracing through a long hard road to get there that like this season of my life is not god's plan b for me like i'm you know my married friends or friends who are inviting people over in their homes and have kids like that's that's not plan a and god is like you know holding out on me but like i am living plan a and it's awesome (laughs) and like i just think about like what I got to do with BFC, I think about what my life looks like now, opportunities I have now to have, uh, how much, I was at Jessica's table, I mean, just like her coming over to spend the night, like that kind of stuff is like probably not happening if I'm married, you know, working for BFC is probably not happening if I'm married. And um, I think that, that's like a core pillar for me, I think it's just like loving this, um, because I've just got ministry and I've got people to serve and I've got time to be able to do it that just looks different because um, because I'm not married. <laughs> and I love, I think to get to a place where I'm like, like, I love that and I'm thankful um, has been huge um, in God's grace. So I think that's big. Um, but, yeah, so I think I guess just general thoughts on like, hospitality to a single woman is, like, um, man, I have been the recipient of a lot of hospitality. I've been the recipient of, like, people, not just bringing me into their homes and inviting me to amazing, like, meals, but, like, bringing me into their lives. Um, and I think that that's, like, especially sweet when, um, yeah, when you are... I don't feel like I do life solo. Like, I, I think um, because of families like that, because of friends like that, and practically because I live with people. <laughs> um, like, all of those things just have, have really helped me to feel like there's a lot of people I get to do life with. Um, but, yeah, but I think, like, specific, like, maybe um, temptations or, like, sin struggles I think that I would battle. that. I don't know if it's particular. Y'all could say if it is or not. But it feels like a particular struggle in a season of, of not being married. It's like, I can spend my time how I want. I can spend my money how I want. I can spend <laughs> myself how I want. And it's really easy to be selfish um, and for that to go unchecked. Um, and so I think to, it'd be a lot easier to live by myself, (laughs) you know, I think it would be easier. And I'm not saying that it's bad to live by yourself. It's probably awesome for a lot of people, but, um, I just think like living with people and being able to have people over to our house and do that together, brainstorm things together, like have people who are like, Hey, you're kind of just doing you a lot right now. Can I push back on that a little bit? Um, has all really helped me and served me. So those are a bunch of really general thoughts that I have. That's great. So that's great.
0: Okay, next we have Monica Mefford. Monica has hosted a care group for over 10 years. I, I don't know how many years exactly, but maybe 13, something, yeah. Um, and we have many of you here. It's community group. I'm correcting myself how I always say it wrong. Um, and many of you do that. Um, and so huge kudos to you. And, um, and so I just wanted to ask Monica, that's just a big deal. Thank your whoever hosts your community group because having people every other week usually tons of kids I mean that's just a huge step of faith and shows love for the Lord and others so what motivated you to do that and what motivates you to keep doing it when it's hard yeah
7: so yeah we have led a care group a uh, community group since um 2008 so we were married for two years when we started which is really weird um <laughs> uh, we didn't know what we were doing So, and we still know what we're doing, but um, it has um, really been our, the way we have had fellowship in the church. And so, um, I think that what motivates us, and me in particular, um, in terms of just opening up our home so regularly is because that is how we have had relationships within the church. So, we did take a break in there um, for a couple of years when our kids were little, and we have three kids. And what we found is that we just kind of stopped going to community group <laughs> because it was just like, oh, we don't have to go because it's not in our home. <laughs> and um, but what happened was is um, I just pulled away from relationships because um, I wasn't pursuing them and I wasn't meeting with people every other week. And I. My husband Ryan and I both found that in our souls and in our relationships, um, you know, we were just we were just isolating ourselves, and so it was easy to go. You know what? We need to start back. Like, let's jump right back in. And um, so for us, that break was huge because it really gave me just such a an appreciation for our community group that I. Um, probably was taking for granted, to be honest with you. And so now, um, you know, we, we, we're back to, to um, hosting, and I just love it because these people that we get to do life with are, are so precious to me. And so I don't think much about it now. I am not one of those community group leaders' wives that, like, cleans their house beforehand. <laughs> so, um, you know, and we have adjusted our hosting for our life and our season of life, you know, and so... It it looks different than it did 12, 13 years ago. And so, um, but it's easy to open up our homes when I see the benefit in our relationships. That's great.
0: great. All right. So Sherry Hayden has also hosted a community group and um, that's premarital counseling, so you have people in your home through that. I'm sure teenage kids, like, is a different season of having people in your home, but we don't have time to talk about that, but that's <laughs> interesting. Now that I'm thinking about it, that's interesting. Um, I, You said you were thinking about, like, barriers to, to hospitality, and um, so share about that and kind of how you overcome them. Okay.
8: I, I think barriers would be different for everybody, just depending on your personality. Some that came to mind when I was thinking about that is um, – desiring perfection, like my house isn't, I'm not finished decorating, I don't have everything hung, I don't have curtains, I don't have, whatever, I'm in the middle of a remodel, whatever that is, you know, that can be a barrier. And the, the neat thing is, if you think about it, when you go to someone's house and they're in the middle of a remodel and they walk you through it, and they're like, look, we're planning on this. That's fun. It's not like a hindrance to them being hospitable. It actually invites you into their life. And so it's actually a really good time to have people to your home. Like, so I wouldn't let a messy house or an unfinished whatever be a barrier. Mm-hmm. Another thing would be um, just a, a concern for food. Now this is a big deal for me because I am not the best cook in our home. <laughs> Chuck is a big, he, he's more hospitable than me at first. I was the um, reluctant hostess. And now I think we share it equally. Sometimes he's tired, and I'm like, oh, come on, come on. And sometimes I'm tired, and he's like, oh, come on, come on. So now we share it equally. But at the beginning, I was definitely the reluctant hostess. But um, as far as food goes, I get nervous. Like, I want to fix something nice, and I want to, you know, I I don't know what I'll fix. And when he sees that I'm stressed or things in the house are um, occupying my time, I don't have time to plan the meal, he's like, you know what? I'll plan the meal. And I'm like. Oh, okay. Then, then it's easy. I can have the house ready, and you know, and he likes to do that. And so we share that responsibility some, and I'm thankful for that. It helps me host more often. But I think um, so. A clean house, a straight house, and being overly concerned about the food. Chuck is always telling me, it is not about the food. Mm-hmm. Like it's not about the food. It's mm-hmm. about the fellowship. Mm-hmm. No one's going to remember the food. They're going to remember the fellowship. And I'm like, that is such a good mantra when I'm stressed about what we're going to feed people. And then, what was the last thing? See, that's why I took notes. <laughs> I think, I think if you have a really, really busy lifestyle, like if you're gone f- four nights a week, and on the fifth night is when you're supposed to host somebody, you're not going to serve joyfully, you know. So, I'm, a, I'm a big uh, proponent of um, having margin in your life, some time, downtime, time to just sit and talk to whoever's left at home in your family. And um, and if you have that, it's so much easier to host with joy. So those are the things I That's thought about. Good.
0: That's good. Also, you have a creative way of showing hospitality with friends. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah,
8: yeah it wasn't my idea. Can't take credit for it. But uh, Chuck and I and another couple in the church take turns hosting once a month. So let's say if it was Bethany that was the co-host with me, she would host the August meal and she would invite a third couple or some friends over to her home and then Chuck and I would join them at their home she'd provide the meal and then the next month Chuck and I would host and we'd invite that third couple and have people over and we have been doing that for three years now And the neat thing is the couple that co-hosts with us, our friendship has grown much deeper than it ever would have. You know, just being in their home every other month and having her cook a meal for me. I get to her house and I'm like, I've been thankful for you all day long. (laughs) You're cooking, I don't have to cook tonight, you know. And then the same thing happens when she comes to my house. But it's been fun because the list of people that get invited you know half the time it's people they're interested in getting to know and I didn't even know anything about them so I get to know them more so it's been it's been really fun and it's easy to do because it's just every other month and I think it also um, having that extra couple there not just inviting two other people over or extra friends over I think having that extra couple um, takes the burden of um, conversation off of you as much so with six people with more people it's just easier so if you're if you're tired that day and you don't have a lot to say someone else is gonna pick it up It makes it a lot easier mm-hmm. to host so it's been really fun and rewarding that's great I love that idea lots of ways you could riff off that
0: mm-hmm. um, okay I want your best practical tips for hospitality you can start and just pass the microphone down oh, okay
8: <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, you gave I, a lot but um yeah. I think Making uh, your guests comfortable. Like, I'm most comfortable at someone's house when they don't have it all together either. So I try to say, okay, um, help me be a good hostess by telling me what I forgot. Or um, just telling them, hey, help yourself, or please remind me if I forgot to set something out. Just put them at ease and say, you know, I don't have it all together. I think I'm just, if I make them more comfortable, then, you know,
7: I'll relax about hosting. Um, so what Sherry said is, um, some of what I was going to say, because I am not, I'm not necessarily a bad cook, but I'm not a great cook, and I really hate it, (laughs) like really hate cooking. So it took me about eight years to admit that my husband's a much better cook than I am. But now I can very freely admit it. He is a much better cook than I am. So usually if we have hospitality, Ryan's going to cook, he will smoke some meat, and everybody will be much happier, and I will be much happier. And so um, I think for me, my practical tip would just be, like, do what you like and do what you're most comfortable with. And so if you are intimidated about having people over, like, order pizza. It is Mm -hmm. so okay. Or, you know, I mean, just get Calhoun's family pack and have somebody over and not worry about the food. Um, That is a great conduit for conversation. Like, we love to eat over food, like, or eat together. And so, um, you know, but it doesn't have to be a beautiful home-cooked meal. You do not have to have great place settings. We eat on uh, paper plates all the time. It is okay. Um, and so, and then the other thing is always have, let, slice and bake cookies in your refrigerator because everybody likes them. And I always forget dessert because I just, I mean, who's thinking about dessert? And so I can throw slice and bake cookies in the oven and everybody, <laughs> <laughs> but everybody loves them and they're super easy. And so if you invite people over and you have pizza and slice and bake cookies they will leave happy mm-hmm. and you will have had great conversation and you won't worry about burning or you know burning your food it'll be great That's
6: awesome. um okay so my practical thought these are great about like actually hosting so take those things <laughs> just a practical thought and like how to actually like make it happen like get people across from you um I think it's just like I find it very helpful to think about sunday mornings as a springboard for like what like hospitality later in the week so uh, like often just like jot names down while i'm in church and then try to find those people and a lot of us i'm sure like most of us in here would probably like raise your hand and say i have a busy life um and i think just like i have found it very helpful zach runnell probably taught me this as an intern just to like take ownership of my schedule and like trying to block out times. So like Mm -hmm. Tuesday night, I don't know who it is yet, but Tuesday night's for somebody. And I don't know what we're gonna do, but that time is at least there on my calendar. Um, So I think that's something practical just for like how you get across the table from people. Um, And then I think, I'm thinking about college girls, like hospitality is not, and you guys have said this, it's not about like the meal. And I think hospitality is even less about just like, yeah, like having people like in your home as much. As it is like a posture of being a welcomer, mm-hmm. and like a, a posture of like being a gatherer, um, and someone who, d- who does that with a generous, others-oriented spirit. And so, like, be the girl who leaves your door open and like props it open in Hess Hall or wherever. You know, like be be the person who like redeems the co- like the common spaces in your residence hall. Um, and like invites other people in to come sit with you and study with you or or do whatever. Um, So, and then last thing is just like, if you, especially, I hate doing stuff by myself. I like, I want someone to like talk to me while I'm going to the bathroom. Like I always (laughs) want to around me. Like, so I just think like find a friend who shares your heart, who like wants to be hospitable and like, I have so much more fun. I'm so much more blessed when my roommate is like, "Yeah, let's together plan a dinner at our house, or let's together plan to do this thing." It's just more fun. You don't have to do this by yourself. So find a friend. That's all.
5: <laughs> okay, I'll leave out any bathroom <laughs> remarks. <okay>? <laughs> <laughs> now, a lot of what a lot of what uh, I was thinking has already been said, but I was just thinking today that. Um, It's really important to remember that it doesn't have to be perfect, Mm -hmm. and if you think about it, it's probably better if it's not perfect (laughs) because our dinners at home with our family are not perfect, and so I feel much more comfortable in someone's house um, if something burns, I don't really mean that, but you know, or you know, do you see something out of place, like you feel more comfortable, and so I want people to feel comfortable in my home, so I will gladly tell you stories of lemon banana pudding or a grill catching fire while we have hosted people. And it all has been okay, <laughs> but it it is definitely not gone perfectly. Um, and I, I would just add just make it easy, disposable plates, spoons. Eat outside when you can, that way the house is not a wreck. Uh, I always ask in advance if they have food allergies or dislikes. Um, if someone comes over and you make like the dish they hate, that's that doesn't feel good. Yeah, a little a little awkward, get the peanut butter out, but um, that, those are just my thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, that's
0: good. What time is it? All right, real quick, what are some of the blessings that have come from obeying the command to be hospitable?
5: Okay, I, I'll just say for, for our family, it's been our kids learning to serve, and um, they are very people uh like being around people so covid hit them hard <laughs> they're like when is people coming over and why are they not here this week Aww. so that was really a challenge for them but i think just seeing that seeing that normal routine of people in your home and you know you're going to clean or you're going to set the table i just think that's been really important mm-hmm. for our kids and why we're doing it
6: that's great um i think the greatest blessing is I don't remember where the verse is in Ephesians. It's Ephesians 2 something, but it's you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Mm -hmm. And I think I have experienced that as the recipient and as the extender, I guess, of hospitality of like, man, we're welcomers. Like we have been far off and we have been brought near. And to, I think just like the richness and sweetness of like my experience of that, like that's what this is what you did for me, Lord. Like you went outside and came, like brought me in, um, just, like, living, yeah, being able to, like, live that out and be a part of that is such a huge blessing. And, I mean, when you really get to be, like, on the, like, just around the table, like, hearing people's stories, that, what a privilege just to, like, get to ask questions and, like, plumb the depths of someone's, like, life and thoughts on things. Like, I've been shaped, you know? It's like you just, like, bounce off people and you're shaped by them. And um, that's been such a blessing. I feel mm-hmm. like I've learned so much by the people that I've, you know, been around, around the table with, so...
7: Yeah, I think um, similar to that, I, I think it's just the relationships that we've had and the stories that we've heard and the trials that we've walked through with people and people walking through with us, um, you know, and I think specifically about the relationships that we've had in community group um, that wouldn't have happened if we weren't um, together in our home or in someone else's home Um where we feel comfortable enough to really share our hearts and cry and pray um, it makes me want to have people over because it's it's hard for me like I I don't necessarily like get really excited about um, I mean I'm just would probably be more of an introvert in that regard and my husband would be too we're not super social Um, But when I see those relationships and I see the burdens that we get to carry with other people and knowing that they're carrying our burdens because we um, spent time together and shared our life and our stories, it makes me just want to continue to do it because the Lord blesses us in those places.
8: Yeah, I think what came to mind for me is just rich relationships. We are not alone. And it can be very faith-building when you hear other people's story. How did God bring you together? How did God work in your life? How did, how did God get you through that um, time of suffering? So just rich, deep relationships. And I was talking with a young mom today about this topic because I knew I was going to be up here. And um, I was remembering back when my kids were little, it really served me to have people in my home because when there were other eyes on my children's behavior, I would see things that I didn't see when I was alone. Like, I wouldn't be aware all week long that this one's whiny right now. And someone else comes in my home, and I'm like, ooh, (laughs) that's ugly. And they're seeing that, and I didn't – how did this happen? You know, so actually having other eyes – That aren't usually there really served me in disciplining my children i mean i know that's a big throwback for me but (laughs) anyway i was remembering that when i was talking to the young mom today so that's good well can we thank them for sharing thank you guys